What's up, guys, and welcome to our fifth Mandalorian long-form discussion. And we're in Los Angeles, so this time we get a special guest. This is Joseph Scrimshaw, if you don't know him. Hello! He's from Force Center Podcast, and we just recorded an episode of his podcast, Obsessed. Uh, I have a schmodown to study for still, so if I lose the belt, it's his fault. Yep. Uh, but the fifth episode of Mandalorian, we want to talk about it like we have been these past few weeks, and this one's the gunslinger. So we usually start with just basic thoughts and feelings how did you feel about this episode joseph uh, i felt good about it i feel like i've been really been enjoying this series in the big picture i like that it is a uh, minimal storytelling and kind of we're mostly staying with the mandalorian and each little chapter being an adventure uh, of his and it's kind of a contained adventure of this is what the mandalorian is going through today um so there are definitely some parts of this episode where i felt like i'm loving everything that's happening but it's not clear right now how this chapter fits into like the larger story. So I feel like there's maybe a little bit of narrative slowdown, but I feel like it's the kind of thing where when I get to watch the whole thing, all eight episodes, this one won't feel as much like it's slowing down because I'll see how it fits in the big picture. But right now it kind of felt like this is an adventure that the Mandalorian has. I didn't learn quite as much about him or quite as much about the state of the galaxy. So I think I'm going to like it even more when it's a part of the whole eight chapter story. Mm hmm. Uh, I guess overall, this has been my least favorite of all of them, just because, yeah, there wasn't a lot happening connecting to the big picture story, uh, but I didn't hate it. <laughs> uh, that's my review, too. I think it's also my least favorite, but I was still not mad. Like, I, I've already seen some reactions of just like, oh, that episode of Mandalorian, no thank you, and I was just like, it was a fine little episode it's it's interesting it felt like an episode of clone wars for me Again, yeah. and dave filoni directed this one so that makes sense i guess um but yeah it was another kind of bottle episode sort of like the last one where it was not it was just its own little story i i can't understand i guess the fact that we only have eight episodes and wanting things to move a little faster wanting all eight episodes to be really big and impactful like uh episode three um mm -hmm. but I don't know. That's just not super realistic. Yeah, well, and I also think that the show is uh, about who is the Mandalorian, right? Yes. That And that's what these, those early episodes really pointed us to, his youth and his experience uh, with young kids and with being an orphan. And does he want to be a Mandalorian? And what does it mean to be a bounty hunter? So I feel like when we look back, this chapter is not going to feel like, here's a one-off adventure that they let yeah. Dave Filoni do. <laughs> I think there's things in it that are going to be really important to that question of who he is. And in particular... I, what I thought was interesting on that level was it was cool to see him with a young bounty hunter and see how much the Mandalorian rejects what other bounty hunters think is the right way to go about life. And even like Fennec Shan saying like, hey, if you want to be a bounty hunter, this is the way you do it. You look out only for yourself. And then we watch this whole episode where the Mandalorian is trying to do things in like an honorable way, in a smart way. And I think that part of his character and what that means to him of like, I kind of rejected being a bounty hunter kind of doesn't go that great with being an honorable guy i think is gonna be important to his decisions in the next couple episodes so i think i hope i could be wrong <laughs> that when we look back this chapter will be like that was vital to see him face another bounty hunter and go that's not me anymore yeah and i, I think that's a great point especially when she's like you do this to survive like uh kira says something similar in solo where this isn't a game you win it's something you just stay in as long as you can yeah uh 
where he's not doing everything with his own best interest at heart. He's trying to keep this little baby alive. Yeah. Like, immediately, that's a, a selfless thing to do. Yeah, I mean, like, it's cool space fantasy, but he's just, like, a dad trying to go to the grocery <laughs> store and get home, right? Like, he's just trying to get through wherever he's going next. And we'll get into this later, but yeah. I'm glad that he finally got some parenting tips this episode (laughs) that was very cool don't put baby yoda literally in the corner (laughs) all right well so let's get into it the the episode starts with this chase and i really appreciated that that it threw us into the action and was immediately delivering on the promise of bounty hunters are coming and like they're they're not giving up this chase this is a constant struggle that he's gonna have this whole series being chased i think i brought this up last week when they introduced the idea that everyone has tracking fobs there's danger that could pop up at any point and i brought up battlestar galactica (laughs) and we just talked a lot about battlestar galactica on obsessed yeah so check that out um but (laughs) there's this constant threat that at any point a ship could pop out of life light speed and be after the mandalorian and the child uh and I, i really like that idea that dangers around every corner yeah yeah and it only makes me more curious of just like well where is he trying to go because this was a pit stop that he had to make because of this cool little space fight it's not like he was like i'll go to tatooine that'll be safe (laughs) yeah yeah that's i i loved that they went to tatooine though that's that was really cool yeah uh i what i appreciate about going to tatooine and a lot of the callbacks that they made was uh, people were saying like this episode really leaned on the nostalgia and the familiar and it was just a bunch of fan service but i liked that everywhere we went we learned something new about it and it felt really different moss eisley did not look like it mm. looked like in a new mm. hope or return of the jedi i mean just the, the fact that it's run by a droid that was amazing <laughs> yeah. yeah that that was definitely a highlight for me that's when when he first walked in i was like oh the droid detector's gone oh there's exactly. droids everywhere it's run by a droid but yeah like the city is empty mm-hmm. doesn't look like a bustling spaceport anymore we get that shot of the stormtrooper helmets on spikes from like the big main trailer yeah like yeah yeah i just love that that picture of that great familiarity of like oh when they said most nicely uh, for him to land i was like i was thrilled because i wanted to know what was going to be different and seeing that oh well with the crime syndicates gone there's a little bit of a problem with that where nobody is making any money and Wu hair has either been murdered or had <laughs> to sell it sell the cantina to <laughs> Uh, well, not where wouldn't be telling. I know it's Chalman's canteen. Uh, don't come after me. Uh, <laughs> You're but, a Schmodown competitor. Yes. We all know. Yeah. But the idea that Wu Hair, who also hated droids like the Mandalorian, has been replaced by droids mm. is like, all right, this is not just, hey, look at a thing that you remember. Yes. I feel like it is, it is building on what we know really well to show us what is different and to show us in this really minimal way the world building of what has changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I agree completely. Um, we jumped ahead a little bit, but yeah. the, he, he lands at Moss Eisley and we meet uh, Amy Sedaris's character, who I did not recognize until the credits came up. And I was like, oh! Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, yeah I recognized her immediately. <laughs> what, what did we think of her? I really enjoyed her, guys. I, I like that we are seeing characters who are just trying to get by. You know, we spent so much time with 
characters who are, are either destined to have great power or find themselves next to somebody with great power. I like that we're meeting so many characters. Like, these are the people that these wars are about. Mm-hmm. It's all these people who are just like, I just want to live. Can I farm blue fish? Yeah. <laughs> Can I go get, you know, just kind of nonviolently collect people who didn't pay their, you know, who jumped bail? And like, and everybody's just trying to get by. And it was cool to see another person just trying to get by. I like that she's hanging out with pit droids. Yes. Playing poker with them. So like, Hawk. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> we space. Both, we both just um actually Molly. Space poker. Space poker. Space poker. Yeah, yeah. They were playing the Han Solo card game because <laughs> it was marketed. Right. <laughs> because they forgot. Anyway. <laughs> I know you know what Sabak is. <laughs> yes, sorry, I do as well. But the pit droids were the first. <laughs> Should we thing. apologize in unison? <laughs> One, Wait. two, three. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Accepted. <laughs> uh, but the pit droids we see first before we see her, I think, and mm-hmm. that was really cool because they they do the little like pop out thing yeah. and. And then the shot, right? Yeah. And they collapse. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that he shoots at them because he's like, oh, droids. Yeah, droids. Yeah, any droids. Even pit droids. Like, <laughs> nope, larger versions of you killed my family. I so will screw not you hit guys, you. too. I will not hit you in the nose to turn you off. I will shoot you. <laughs> yeah, I, I like seeing all of the, you know, prequel, original, sequel trilogy. Anytime that all of that sort of uh, those characters, the technology can be mashed together and it all just feels like Star Wars is great. And any time you take something that has been kind of cute in Star Wars and mash it up with somebody who's a little bit more violent, uh, that's my sense of humor. So I, I really loved pit droids and then immediately <laughs> shooting at them. So they collapsed. <laughs> it was great for me. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll just stick with Peli and jump forward a little bit anyway. But I really liked that she was like, you can park here. I'm not going to fix your ship without money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she sees baby Yoda and... Well, I appre- before we get there, okay. I appreciated all the things that she said were wrong with this ship. Yeah. It just, like, again, it made her feel like just, like, a person living in Star Wars trying to make a living. Like, well, this is wrong, and you got carbon scoring, and, like, uh, this, this is going to be a lot of work. And I, uh, I got a real, like, car mechanic vibe from her where yeah. I was like, I don't know what's true and what's not. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of, I'm going to have to rotate this. Yeah. And that's going to cost you extra. Yeah. How much is she scamming? And, you know, it was fun to see her with her little pit droids, too, because there was this weird Star Wars sense of found family, mm-hmm. mirroring Mandalorian traveling around with weird Force baby and her being kind of treating them like employees, but kind of treating them like they're her little family unit. Yeah, yeah. And the, so, yeah, when Baby Yoda then wanders up out of the ship, as if he can be contained anywhere right. at this point. Um <laughs> I was terrified when she pulled the gun out just for that moment, but then she just kind of like picks him up and is like, oh. As we all would. Oh, yes. yeah. Gives him a little ear scratch. Like, it's adorable. Well, what I appreciated is that when the Mandalorian comes back, she has already started working on the ship. Like, Baby Yoda has inspired her to <laughs> fix the ship and, yeah. like, hope for the best, but I don't know. This little baby inspires goodness in everyone it comes across, mm-hmm. if they have, like, half a conscience. Yeah. Not, not all the bounty hunters, but... <laughs> yeah, and if she's used to seeing, not Mandalorians, because as we've been reminded many times, it's rare <laughs> to see them these days. Um, if she's used to seeing, like, scum and villainy come through and thinks, ah, he's he's another one of these guys. And then she's like, oh, he's he's an adoptive father <laughs> who needs some dad? parenting lessons. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do will. think it's funny that everyone is just like, this is your son, clearly. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> you should raise your son here. Yeah. 
She'd get him some swimming lessons, all sorts of things. She tells the pet droids to get him something to eat, specifically something with bones, <laughs> which we don't get to see, but I, I wonder what they ended up getting him. Probably a frog. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, yeah, I don't, does she know something about the species that we don't? Because so far he's had bone broth and he's swallowed frogs whole, so he does like bones, and she knows that. <laughs> I Amazing. guess she looked up on Wikipedia. And, <laughs> uh, but I, finally, like when he comes back, someone was like, you can't just leave this baby. Yeah. I was so annoyed in the previous episode when he was, he just leaves it in a bar and is like, bartender, watch the kid. Yeah. She doesn't watch the kid. And he just wanders out with his soup. <laughs> like, just someone needs to tell this Mandalorian something about raising a child. I, yeah, I swear he is going to get some sort of uh, Beskar-coated baby-carrying device by the final episode. Yeah. <laughs> he has to march around with the kid. I hope so. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll jump back to the cantina uh, where we meet Toro Calican. I should really write that these names down. That sounds right. I got it somewhere <laughs> in this. Uh, yeah, Toro Calican. <laughs> Sitting in Han's spot. With his the... legs up and everything. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was like, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> how dare you sit where he sat? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that was a part of his character to be a kind of crappy Han Solo? And I, I don't mean that as a judgment of like the actor or the character, but that that is the writer and director's intent to be like, we want to remind you of Han Solo, and here is a guy who doesn't live up to who Han Solo was on like coolness level or morality level yeah i bet you're right you're just kind of b-side <laughs> crappy yeah, Han. i think you're right it, poor it, man's Han. poor man's yeah. Han. yeah it didn't occur to me but i mean yeah he's sitting in the seat and then yeah his morality doesn't his ideals certainly don't match up but yeah in a little bit of this solo vibe of like young guy out to prove himself i mean solo mm -hmm. from the solo movie of yeah, like yeah. young scrappy I'm, I'm out here to prove who i am and i'm tough and badass and, yeah mm, not, not <laughs> he, so didn't prove it very well <laughs> he's like already like oh wait wait, wait it's my first job yeah. <laughs> yeah he breaks pretty quick yeah yeah uh how did did you take that either of those droids is straight up ev99 out of work <laughs> or... I, i'm gonna guess no just because there are multiple of them but i did have that thought were there two in the final episode? I, I saw there were two in the concept art at the end. I can't remember if I'm... Uh, yeah, I've only watched the episode twice, so I can't remember if there were two actually there or two in the concept art. I don't know why. I'm like, if there was one, it was EV-99. <laughs> if it was two, no. No way. It's just yeah. Like, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that watching it, honestly. I was I was thinking more about the other droids. Right. There, there were multiple familiar droids in the right. cantina. So was that R5-D4? I, I like to think so, that he's just living a good life because allowed back into bars yeah and, and from a certain point of view he survives his uh bad motivator yeah. right and he survives the um stormtrooper attack and he just like rolls off into the sunset so yeah i like that a lot yeah i I'd... hope he's still around maybe yeah. he works there i don't know that'd be great the uh the other thing that i thought of strangely from the book from a certain point of view is the there's that story about uher having a similar backstory mm. to Mando where he was terrorized by droids in the Clone Wars and that's part of the reason he's so severe about not having them in the bar mm -hmm. which is like it's so weird to be pulling details from that one specific book but that really resonated with me of that I love that they're making that a part of the story of the galaxy that yeah there's a lot of people who would be traumatized mm -hmm. by droids and you know what happened to pull poor Wu hair <laughs> yeah he pulled over and said sorry uh, things aren't going as well anymore and it's like, I, I doubt that was on 
purpose. Like, I don't think that they were thinking, oh, woo here connection and stuff, but it's cool when that stuff still lines up. Yeah. And you can think about the implications of, yeah, he's, a droid has taken his place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they certainly want you to notice that the droid detection unit is gone and it's full of droids because that's, like, a yeah. big change. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like the the fact that the cantina was pretty sparse was, like, yeah, business is not hopping in most Eisley because all the crime syndicates have collapsed? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And... The, some things that Favreau has said about how like a regime change doesn't always mean things are going well and especially in the outer rim I mean that's the, the outer rim is always disenfranchised like right. the core gets all the treatment and the outer rim is just kind of left to fend for themselves and they're part of the republic but no one really cares about them yeah yeah and that makes a lot of sense to me of like telling the story of well when there are all these crime syndicates yeah they were bad but that meant that there was not much honest work to be had in most Eisley. yeah and now there's just no work to be had because the droids are kind of trying to say that too of like yeah you're not gonna find any mm. bounties dude <laughs> that, 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 there's no one to hunt yeah but uh i guess moving on that's when they take toro back to the the hangar and then he sees baby yoda and this is my other big, like, Mando, what are you doing? You kn- He's not part of the guild yet, but come on. Yeah. Yeah. Put a blanket over that kid. Hide his ears or something. This is the way. <laughs> Put a blankie on Baby Yoda. This is the way. He did have, like, a weird, like, side-eye look when he looked at him, and we both thought, like, oh, no, he, he knows about Baby Yoda and the bounty, and that didn't turn out to be the case, but... But that look was still significant. Yeah. And it's just everywhere he goes in episode three, he's walking down the street. Parades him, right? With the cradle open. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Open bassinet. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. In episode four, let's go into this bar. Yep. Yeah. You can walk. Come on. Waddle with me. Like, fair enough. Baby Yoda's not going to stay. He tried. He tried (laughs) sealing him in this time. This chapter, it didn't work. Um, but yeah, I feel like the show is doing that very much on purpose. I do too. That it's either a character trait of Mandalorian where he's like, I am so confident that I know that if anybody tries to take this little guy, I'm going to take him out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or it is just specifically building tension that he is making a bad choice. I think it's that like, uh, Toro, he's just in over his head and he doesn't know what he's doing or what he signed up for when he decided to protect this baby. But yeah. But he's, he's doing like, his best this episode he's so thoughtful about how he goes about all of his various bounty hunting mm-hmm. like you have to think that he would consider should i hide this incredibly valuable bounty and he's just he's not should i close the ramp to my ship yeah. <laughs> do you think baby Yoda used the force to open that little door that he closed him up in that actually makes a ton of sense to me because yeah. you just like don't want to be here <laughs> although he does like to press buttons I guess that's fair. Pressed all the buttons. If he did close him up, then he was like, "All right, he's probably fine." But he, you forget, he doesn't even know what the force is. So right, Yoda's doing whatever. Yeah, Yoda's a space baby, but still, if we translate it to Earth and like, oh yeah, bad idea. Don't leave your baby sealed in your car. Yes, while it's being repaired on a desert planet (laughs) with two suns. (laughs) Did he roll the windows down? Yeah, (laughs) great entrance for baby Yoda, but (laughs) yeah, yeah waddling down the <laughs> ramp of like what's going on here yeah i want to play sabacc <laughs> <laughs> so then they go off on the they said they were speeder bikes they look like swoop bikes to me mm-hmm. I, which i don't i got straight just shadows of the empire vibes oh yeah 
very swoopy. <laughs> and just driving through Mos Eisley and Tatooine, and I half expected them to jump over the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> yeah, there, I think that was also like a specific tension of, are they going to go to somewhere that we know or encounter someone we know? Mm-hmm. Well, um, they did kind of. Kind of <laughs> they they yeah. run into Tusken Raiders. Yes. Uh, which I thought was a really cool scene. It was, uh, I know we'll talk favorites, so I'll repeat myself. That was my favorite part of the episode. What made it your favorite part? Uh, a couple things. The I liked that the Tusken Raiders used the same tactic that they did on Luke in A New Hope, which mm, is clearly yeah. something that they do of like, hey, uh, I didn't put the make ba- that connection. That's great. Put the Banthas <laughs> over there and make some noise so we can go around the back yeah. and sneak up on people who are staring at us. <laughs> it seems like, okay, cool. That's a very good tactic. And it made for just a cool reveal. I liked how often the Mando is just being a snarky mentor to Toro and just saying like oh no well tell him yourself yeah. <laughs> the, the, the reveal shot is great but I, I loved that the Mandalorian knew how to talk with them and treated them with respect because I feel like it it funneled into the Mandalorian's character in particularly this episode where he's kind of doing everything honorable he could just pull a blaster and say fix my ship but he goes and he makes money even though it's a pain in the ass and he understands from the Tusken Raiders perspective this is their land so he's going to barter with them and mm-hmm. communicate. Uh, so it's all great from Mandalorian characters' perspective. But like the Tusken Raiders, like I-, I love Star Wars with all my heart. But there are some things that sometimes trouble me in Attack of the Clones. Them just being, you know, called savages, slaughtered mm-hmm. when they're obvious real world rhythms. Yeah, it was really cool to just give them that perspective of like, yep, it is awful that they have done things like kidnapped me and <laughs> beat up Luke for absolutely no reason. But from their perspective, they're defending their land. And you can communicate with them. I just thought that was a great way to flesh out these characters who have been with us since 1977 and give them a little bit more perspective and reality that right. so many of the other characters and cultures in Star Wars have. It, just like Moss Eisley, like they're familiar, but we got to see a new side of them. Totally new, yeah. And the idea that you can use some sort of sign language to communicate with them, I thought that was really cool. Part of me was a little... <laughs> Worried that he was about to start grunting like Han, like yeah. Han in uh, Solo Han's when he starts growling. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I thank goodness it was a <laughs> sign language is a better really option. Cool. Yeah, and it made sense for the Mandalorian too. Of like, hey, uh, you know, I I respect people with a you know different point of view, and I'll, I'll communicate with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I I agree completely that he probably has a lot in common with him like his own land was invaded yeah uh he he knows what it's like so he respects them this is the way yeah <laughs> yeah to do things you, you give him some macro binoculars that don't belong to you and <laughs> yeah. you keep on going <laughs> he's like hey those were brand new yeah <laughs> yep. they were so good and then immediately we go off to another familiar creature and we see the dewback yeah uh and that that's just bait for finnick shand <laughs> And Mando gets shot twice immediately, and Molly was like, he's really putting that best guard to the test. Yeah, I was like, whoa, like, that stuff could take a hit. <laughs> that was another good line. That, like, the best guard kept me safe at this range, and mm-hmm. Tor was like, I don't have best guard. <laughs> he's like, I don't have any of that. Uh... Nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the... Uh... It, it was interesting to see a very different kind of uh, mentor relationship in Star Wars. Like, we've seen lots of either just, like, manipulation from the Sith, or we've seen, like, this is hard for you to hear, but I'm trying to make you better. Is your Jedi Master, you're my Padawan, and this is just sort of like, I don't really like you, kid, and you have a lot to learn. Yeah. Kind of an idiot. I'm just anyway, here for the money. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to keep you alive, but that's 
about it. <laughs> That's a secondary priority. Yep. And you have a lot of things to realize. Yep. Uh, <laughs> when, he, when he turns over the guy that's being dragged by the dude back, I thought it was the pilot that had been chasing him from the beginning. It did look just like him. looked like him. But then I was like, why would he be there riding around on a dewback, I guess, looking for Mando? But He exploded. I mean, He did, like, he did uh, seem pretty, pretty dead in space. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just like they, they had very similar costumes. Maybe they were part of the same crew. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Do you think that uh, the assassin took him out? Yes. Maybe the guy in space was like just there to also hunt Finnick Shan and ran into the Mandalorian. Mm. Maybe that was all a coincidence. Yeah. Could be. That makes sense to me. Okay. We solved it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I liked it. It was a great setup for Fennec Shand. Yes. And I liked the Mandalorian having to take a lot of punishment because I liked that that seems to be his thing of like, (laughs) yeah, I'm willing to let people take pot shots at me and I'll just take it because I can. And Mm -hmm. it sets me up to fire back real quick he's very indiana jones to me where he just gets beat up constantly but keeps on going and he he trusts that the kid is a good enough shot to cover him (laughs) he goes out there yeah uh i don't know that he knew there was a sniper out there he seemed to want to get away in a hurry but oh yeah yeah uh then the the high ground call out Mm, i do like that like he just goes she has the high ground uh she'll wait for us to make the move i'm like mm-hmm. how do you know that <laughs> like i know we're supposed to just trust you because you said it but and then he says something like the suns are down plural i liked that yeah i like the high ground callback because i've the high ground thing in in revenge of the sith has never bothered me like it's bothered other other fans i it's it's fine but it's also like i feel like I've played enough video games, like, yeah, the high ground is better when you have a blaster rifle. This is dumb, but I've always accepted the high ground thing, too, because of the movie The Rock. <laughs> There's a scene, like, where all the Navy SEALs are stuck in a pit, and yeah. all of the Marines are surrounding them up high, and they say something like, we're in the tactical better position, and I'm ever since then, I'm like, yeah, high ground, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Don't underestimate their power. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was great. So the suns go down. And they they make their move. I thought that was a pretty cool attack. Yeah, with with the the flares. Yeah, I like how much the Mando is just thinking smart and tactically. And he's yeah, he's very prepared. I guess that's what he was thinking or doing the whole time. He wasn't napping. He was just thinking of what to do. Yeah, that scene was great <laughs> with Toro they... doing his little taxi driver stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and having that that asshole like you old man. I, I liked him calling him an old man because it did invite us to think is the mando off his game and wonder like is he making mistakes is that why he's getting shot a lot and getting you know a little bit of that indiana jones treatment of just getting roughed up Mm -hmm. and making mistakes you know or is it you know that he is luring people in like he did with toro in that scene of like no i'm I'm a wakey idiot or yeah. is he, like like a lot of new fathers, is he actually asleep? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's fair. just very tired. Yeah. Has he been taking care of Baby Yoda so much that he's like, honestly, I'm going to take a nap. The high ground yeah. thing was a total lie. He's like, I just, I need a minute. I need this. <laughs> just need to sleep. <laughs> I guess I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, Pedro Pascal's not old, so I don't we don't know what he looks like under the helmet but i guess maybe bounty hunting is one of those professions where if you are past 30 yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i do not think that oh he's so he's ancient but i yeah, like yeah. that like is middle-aged for a bounty hunter in star wars galaxy are people thinking he's past his prime yeah that does make sense bounty hunting is a young man's game yeah well, he, well he, he knows so much and has so much advice for this guy he's like oh he must be an old man yeah sure. yeah i gotta been there done that vibe 
Uh, and during the attack, Mando gets shot again twice. <laughs> I just think is funny, especially the one where he's just standing there and she shoots him right in the chest. Yeah, it's funny, and I think it ties back to like the that theme about like his armor's integrity, right? I mean, it, so it's, it's literally it does his armor have integrity because it's smoking, and you can almost hear like a little bit of the circuitry mm-hmm. sizzling. Uh, but I think they've made such a big deal of making his armor like this central part of his identity of like is it is it a representation of strength or is it sealing himself off from connection and i think this is a great way in an episode that's not diving super into that to just make you stay connected to no you you work so hard to get that best (laughs) card did you ruin it already let me ask you do you think his armor before uh that he starts the show with was that best like especially the chest plate, or oh, was it? Oh yeah, I think so. Because the way we like that shoulder shot in the in the very first scene seems to bounce off of it, and I mean, and it does protect him really well. Yeah, I, I that's interesting because I just assumed it was Mandalorian armor, but not Beskar, and mm. like he would be collecting Beskar throughout the series. He's already done it pretty much. Yeah, interesting. I, I totally agree with you on the he's so fixated on the armor and that it. it is symbolic but also closes himself off and i guess i've kind of been thinking of like uh what does it mean to be a mandalorian does the armor make you or do you make the armor yeah um but i i wonder how that changes if that was beskar at the start and it just lost its integrity yeah yeah also, i think just for maybe viewers who are fairly new to star wars uh and who are checking this out maybe it was just a way to like inform them how strong Beskar is, like why yeah. it was so important mm-hmm. and so valuable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And there could even be like in that last shot when he's just standing there. How much is it that he's just like, yeah, sh- I'll show you how much I can take. Yeah. I don't, like I, I don't know if that was a distraction so that Toro could get around or if he he just kind of looked like he was. <laughs> what happened? All right, I got shot again. There could have perhaps been some more clarity on the intention. <laughs> Of taking that shot. Because he, yeah, he does, he was a little bit like, you know, when you're playing against the computer in Battlefront 2, and like, cool, you're just going to stand there? <laughs> I can snipe you? Cool. When he makes it up there, he's like, yeah, good distraction. Like, it was all a plan, but I, part of me is like, I don't know, Mando. <laughs> you need to nap some more. Yeah. But they do catch her, and now we, like, finally get to meet Finnick Shand. Uh, I really liked her manipulation of Toro. Yeah. I liked her. It was cool to see her fight and oh, see yeah. her be so, you know, advanced. Mm-hmm. Like, see, that the, the kid could fight a little bit. He tries to flip, and, like, that would have worked on somebody else. But she just <laughs> lands on her feet, and, yeah. And I, I also like that she just got this vibe that she's been around the block like Mando, too. Because when Mando gets the drop on her, she's just sort of like, all right, fine, you got me. Yeah. I'll, I'll get out of this another way. I'm not going to have this big, you know, amazing fight with the two of you. And you've got that Mandalorian armor, so fine. Yeah, she's so playful the whole time. Uh oh, yeah. it's like one of us has to walk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I like that Mando knows about her. Mm. Like yes. he knows who she is. He knows what... she's not to be messed with, and that kid can't do it. Yes, and I was like, oh. Yeah, I feel like that was one of the thematic ideas that started to tie things together to me in this episode, when especially when she starts to go in on Toro and say, "You could be legendary." Mm-hmm. She's kind of a legend. Mm-hmm. The Mando is certainly a legend, both good and bad. Of any Mandalorian is legendary, for just for being a Mandalorian, being rare these days. But now he he's sort of being known as like this famous asshole who <laughs> you know who who kidnapped this kid away from the guild and you know ran away from the guild 
and then teasing that that would be it's not that the the young kid the toro just wants to get by he's so tempted and she manipulates him because being a legend is such a great thing mm-hmm. and then that starts to tie it to you know much larger interesting star wars ideas yeah and he says it the whole time like i don't care about the credits yeah i just want the credit <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> different kind of credit right <laughs> He, he wants to be in the guild. He wants to make a name for himself. Um, I was surprised and disappointed that he shot her. <laughs> yeah. Not so much disappointed in, like, Toro. Obviously, that's what he does. But uh, I'm just hopeful that she's not out of the picture. I don't think she is. Expand upon that. Uh, well, one is because I think i believe i read somewhere there's so much star wars news <laughs> yeah. that she's in two episodes okay uh so there's that well, <laughs> that's just a, a memory of a thing um and then just narratively something feels um fishy in, in a good way and obviously we'll talk about the scene at the end mm-hmm. uh yeah we're almost there <laughs> yeah um so i just feel like there might um be something in this in Mando agreeing to go get the back because that was a little bit like Mando you've been really practical in really on top of things you probably don't quite trust this kid so it's right on that line of like is the Mando going to get the back himself going like fine I don't mind going for a long walk I'll be back <laughs> I don't mind doing this or was it like why did you leave him alone with her that can only go wrong for you in some way yeah yeah so yeah We'll we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get to the yeah. to the end. I mean, it's about that last scene. Yeah, that is my hope because I've been one of the more frustrating things about this show to me is that we've been hyped up about all these characters and Cara Dune. Like Gina Carano has been shown as like a member of the main cast, and so is Carl Weathers. They're IG Eleven in some cases. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they're always at all the press events. They were at Celebration. I'm like, oh, okay, these are our three main characters who will be in all eight episodes. And then Kara was in one so far, and I'm like, I want. We keep hearing about characters like her and Finnick Shan and IG Eleven, and they're just like in one episode and then they're gone. Like I'm really hoping, yeah, they all wind up together in episode eight. Yeah, I think uh, there's a good possibility. I think there's still, I think there's still one shot of Quill that we haven't seen mm. that's in various trailers. So, and I really like Quill, so I hope he comes back too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll go back. Toro shoots Finnick Shan. He realizes what the child is because she uh, blabs about it. Oh, and she names the planet Navarro. Yeah. That was like, yeah. that was a surprise to me that they, <laughs> I don't know. I guess this stuff is just so important to us <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Like, I'm like, what's the name of this planet? I don't know. Navarro, that's how you tell me? She just drops <laughs> it like that? <laughs> yeah, because I like, I think I paused the episode going, Navarro, is that a planet I've heard of before? Because right. the way she brings it up is like, uh, you know, I don't know if something happened to you on Navarro Mandalorian. He's like, is that a, is that a Mandalorian moon I forgot about? Exactly. <laughs> I did the same thing. I wrote it down on my phone. Navarro. <laughs> I just it remembered it was the last name of someone that... Hector Navarro? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I wondered he's if a, it was another it. Schmodown competitor. Yeah. Uh, shout out geeked him. To, to Hector, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Did you, uh, did you like Fennec Shand? Were you affected I, by I, her? I, yeah, I really liked her. And I had a lot of high expectations for her and yeah her being shot i was like what the hell yeah (laughs) um but yeah i I don't think she's 
dead, but at the same time, she was laying there for quite a while. That's my thing. I'm like, how long are you going to play possum? Like, yeah. they've been gone for a while. Yeah. So I, my hope, my best hope is that she is very badly wounded mm-hmm. and just, like, lying there. Yeah. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, they go back to the hangar, and Toro is taking the kid and Peli hostage. And there's a brief standoff, and they shoot Toro, and it's like... I don't know. That's yeah. I, I knew that was going to happen. Like, that was my guess last week. When you read the synopsis for this episode, it's like, the Mando helps a young bounty hunter who's in over his head, and I'm like, he's going to find out about the kid, try to take the kid, after they work together all episode, and the Mando will shoot him. It's like, <laughs> that was kind of the bummer of this one, was that I was like, this played out exactly how I thought it would. Predictable. And I think a lot of the people that are saying that they're really disappointed in this episode might be because it was another Filoni episode and they had a lot of high expectations of a Filoni episode and it just didn't live up to what they thought. Maybe. I mean, I I really like what Joseph said about I think it's important to see the Mando re-enter the bounty hunting world. Last week he did something more selfless and this week it's like, does he still fit where he used to? And he doesn't. And I, I think that's a really good point to make yeah he got to do a good noble thing defending the village from raiders mm-hmm. right and really almost get fairly close to opening up his humanity you know mm-hmm. yeah so then to plunge right back into the famous place of scum and villainy <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh, also a good point yeah we get uh, to see the opposite of what could have been and basically what his life is going to be and the fact that he's just yeah constantly going to be chased mm-hmm. how did you feel that he took out toro while toro was still holding the baby not great (laughs) not great do you feel like that was on purpose to be like this part of this episode is mando's bad parenting 101 i guess i mean i've been that's the whole series really (laughs) yeah when when he falls i'm like did he fall on baby yoda what's happening i wonder if just like mando has like such respect for the power of baby yoda that he's like he'll be fine yeah he'll force catch himself if he has to or he just doesn't know yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But yeah, that felt like a risky move. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Baby Yoda did something to stop himself from being crushed? Or that he leapt? Or something that we didn't see? Because I mean, Baby Yoda does kind of... We see him uh, go from one place to the next and pop up in surprising ways <laughs> a lot. I think he's more spry than we know. Ooh, <laughs> all those some... frogs he eats. Yeah, he did some Yoda versus all... Goku hopping yeah, that we I was didn't see. Say, we also <laughs> saw Yoda drop his cane and do all those flips. I yeah. Think, I think, uh... Uh, my first thought was that he would be floating. Like, oh. They yeah. were like, where'd he go? And I thought we'd hear giggling up yeah. above them or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that would be great. The, the little look around the that, that was still super cute. Was super super cute yeah <laughs> i do love watching these episodes with subtitles just because it, it constantly will say giggling child giggles child, child giggles, child child giggles. <laughs> uh yeah. yeah but that was a stressful moment yeah absolutely absolutely a stressful moment uh we wondered just like how much mando had planned for it um here's a question that i got distracted by that i wanted to ask both of you why do you think the Mando is not using his pulse rifle at all this episode? <laughs> I, I did think when they got to the Dewback at first, I thought that he was going to crawl up over the dune. He's like, I thought he saw some Jawas he wanted to shoot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hold on, I got to make a pit stop. <laughs> this this has nothing these. to do with the mission. <laughs> I just hate Jawas. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
I, yeah, I'm like, I, it's not going to be a thing for me where, like, I don't like this episode because I don't know where the pulse rifle is. That's not how I like to approach things. But I did get obsessed enough personally that I went back to the end of Chapter 3, or uh, Chapter 4, to see, like, did he leave it in the village? Did he <laughs> gift it to somebody and I forgot? Uh, because I just, it, maybe it's in the cockpit scene earlier, but I don't think he takes it with him. Maybe it's got some water damage. Yeah, water damage? <laughs> I, maybe he just thought it wouldn't be useful against Finnick, or maybe he didn't have any plans on actually killing her. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Or maybe, I wonder if it's a too distinctive of a weapon? Maybe. I mean, yeah. just like, he's carried it around in more populated places. <laughs> he really has. <laughs> I, <laughs> worried about maybe, the law all of a sudden? Maybe he thought he just wasn't going to need it. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting thought, though. Mm-hmm. There uh, has to be a creative reason because it's there in the artwork, right? Yeah. In it, I mean, it would certainly have like a lot of rhythm with uh, the original Boba Fett uh, animated short to see him on the dewback. Not that Boba Fett was on a dewback, but that image mm-hmm. of him on riding a creature with that that weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I I thought that it was cool that uh, Pelly basically fixed the ship and had accepted she wasn't going to get paid yes like she she did all the work and was like well i guess this is it and he still paid her (laughs) yeah that was great with looted money but sure (laughs) yeah well uh, yeah i guess kind of looted i guess depending on how you look at it i guess because he was promised the money by toro yeah i don't know and he He still (laughs) took it off a corpse maybe yeah well he he toro asked him to help get Fennec Shand alive. He did get Fennec Shand alive. Toro made a bad choice to shoot her. That's true. And try to kidnap Baby Yoda. So for, I think from the Mandalorian's perspective, he did what he said he would. And it's Toro's dumb fault <laughs> <laughs> for making bad choices. But he still paid her. And she, yeah. she assumed that he wouldn't. So that's him being honorable again. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the last shot. The last two shots. Footsteps approach... Finnick Shan's body, lean over her. And yeah, I guess the implication is either she's alive and someone's coming to help, or someone's tracking the Mandalorian. Yeah. I think, so, the, I don't think this is really going to happen, but this is where my mind went to finish the thing I was saying before. Is like, I wonder if some sort of communication had passed between Fennec and the Mandalorian, of basically, uh, play dead and I'll come back for you. Yeah. For some reason. Because there's, uh, I, I know there's already discussion all over the internet of who is that the Mandalorian? I've seen a couple tweets feeling like they have matched up the exact ankle armor and that is the Mandalorian. <laughs> so then it's like, well, if Mandalorian came back, is it just like, oh, took off? And it's like, I actually didn't check if she was dead. I'll go check on her because she could be a valuable ally or I wouldn't want to be left like that. That's not honorable. So this... is it as simple as that? Or did yeah. they make some sort of agreement that we didn't know about and that's why he agreed to leave her? alone with toro so she could fake her own death (laughs) i thought the same thing just the fact that he knew who she was and knew so much about her that that had to have been him coming back for her it just seems so why like if they had that understanding why is she still lying there (laughs) exactly yeah unless they're being watched unless she feels she's being watched yeah I, I, I think I'm high on my own supply of Star Wars theory. <laughs> I don't think that... It, it's probably not likely that they had an arrangement. But I do like thinking about why the Mandalorian would come back for her. Either is it out of honor, or we still haven't really seen, like, what's your 
plan, dude. Mm-hmm. You know that you can't go anywhere. And I wonder if it is eventually going to go to like, uh, well, you know what? I've made some pals and I need help, so I'm going to round up my friends yeah. to, well, for a last stand. Yeah. No when... one on Tatooine was giving him any help as far as finding work, so maybe he thinks that she'll know where to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be cool if we had... He knows the Empire, someone is after this child, and he needs to stop it at the source. So if he is kind of collecting Avengers style, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a new big shot gangster putting together a crew and then at the end we get ig-11 and yeah. cara dune grief karga because and in he, he didn't, yeah and in Ugna, <laughs> but he didn't shoot grief mm-hmm. for a killing blow uh if he somehow yeah got fennec shan to survive what she <laughs> getting shot in the belly i mean they didn't show there was barely a sizzle sound there was no like eruption of flame i just think that it could be totally that she had armor in the Mando saw it. And like, mm-hmm. that could be the conversation. Yeah. It's like, I saw your armor. I didn't understand why you're playing dead. And I didn't, I don't want to leave it at this. So what are you doing? And and I brought up that he got shot four times and none of them were killing blows. And I do kind of like, he was standing there like a doof. Like <laughs> yeah. she probably could have killed him. Yeah. So maybe there was somehow, maybe they're old friends. Yeah. Mm. Who do you think she was going to rendezvous with in Mos Espa? Oh yeah. Uh, hmm. Do you think that was just a random, like, hey, she was on her way place, or is that a setup for, is she in league with Moff Gideon, or... I'm gonna guess it was random, and I'll throw out that she was gonna rendezvous with Conja Club, because uh-huh. she shares, Shand is the last name of someone in Conja Club, uh, from Crook the Force Shand. Awakens, yeah. I think, yeah. I couldn't tell you the first name, I just... <laughs> I scroll past it sometimes on the day, I think it's Crooked, could be wrong. So, I like that. Yeah, maybe she was going to hook oh, up with Conja Club. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And they apparently rose to power after Jabba the Hutt's death. So yeah, they used to be Hutt slaves. So yeah, timeline works out there. Nice. Well, okay, so let's talk about all the other people that people are yeah. saying yeah, yeah, that yeah. this might be. Boba yeah. Fett? Okay, yeah. Lady, let's go there. Let's go I, there. <laughs> I saw someone on Reddit point out, like, they could have set this story on any place. Why'd they choose Tatooine? Last place we saw Boba Fett. Uh, although I really like what you said about it is the classics wretched hive of scum and villainy that's a great place to tell this story yeah uh, and show how things have changed but there are some sound effects <laughs> that i i agree you're very boba fett like the the noises that you hear before the footsteps even enter and the sound the footsteps make yeah are boba fett-esque at yeah. least but they could also be the mandalorian now yes mm-hmm. yes well i'm team boba fett in general I, I i want boba fett to be alive and i think there's more story to tell with that character and i think it's really interesting to see um where he would be at at this point of the timeline and also to just finally have some star wars storytelling that directly addresses the boba fett jango fett relationship with mandalorians mm-hmm. of do they consider themselves mandalorians yeah and uh you know is boba fett still a hunter if he's around and what is it like to be have the aging face of a clone now that you know so much time has passed and all that Uh, i think there's lots of interesting things with boba fett and i feel like it is weird to go so close to where boba fett might be like uh, there's no way filoni doesn't know that 
he is inciting both that curiosity. <laughs> yes. But also, thinking about it being Filoni, could this be a Clone Wars character mm. that has been talked Ooh. about maybe showing up in this show? Bo- what, Bo-Katan? <laughs> well, that's what you thought. That's, uh, that was something I threw out. Mm, yeah. yeah, I like that. I mean, that's just because I want it so badly. Yeah. I want Katie Sackhoff in yeah, the flesh yeah, as Bo-Katan. That would be great. Uh, and then if it if it were Boba Fett, there is the canon wrinkle that, according to Aftermath books, this other guy, Cobb yeah. Vanth, has mm-hmm. the Boba Fett armor, right? That, that's something I think can very easily be swept under the rug, as in off-screen, Boba Fett finds Cobb Vanth and, and kills him. Takes it, or takes takes it, it back, back or right? Whatever. Yeah, and there can be a story somewhere about that. Because yeah. we've read Aftermath. Not everyone that's watching The Mandalorian has read Aftermath. Yeah. Right. And it's, that's that's one of the interludes that is strung throughout, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not even like that the book is about Cobb Vanth. And they don't even nobody even realizes Boba Fett's armor. We, the reader, know yeah. from district, description and location that it's got to be Boba Fett's armor. It's not even like, yeah. And even then, there probably is a way around that to be like, oh, no, that wasn't Boba Fett's armor after all, <laughs> which is annoying. But... The Sarlacc had devoured several mandalorians oh, yeah. recently that's where they all went that's why you don't see them anymore <laughs> the purge that thing's the... a mandalorian magnet <laughs> just eat some breakfast lunch and dinner uh the, the Cobb vanth character is interesting to me because i i like the idea of this sort of uh old west lawman this old marshal right and that has some interesting rhythm with what's going on with mandalorian to have a that the character we represented in the book but I agree with you that it, that's getting pretty deep mm. for people who are just like, ah, I, I like the movies, and now I'm watching this TV show. And there's a trilogy of books with who, and this guy's what, <laughs> yeah. and why? Yeah. See, I, my best guess right now is probably that it's Boba Fett. But I don't want it to be, because we've talked about bet. this before. Well, yeah, A, I have a bet, <laughs> and I said that Boba Fett won't be in the show. But we both said this, that if Boba Fett appears in The Mandalorian, it kind of overshadows... Yeah, the Mandalorian. he's going to mm. take the spotlight, and I don't want that to happen. I could kind of see it maybe in, like, the very last scene of season one to tease what's coming. Yeah. But, like, I feel like we need to really fall in love with the Mandalorian before Boba Fett kicks the door in and everyone is just talking about Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely get that concern. But, man, it, like, <laughs> I don't know. There's too many... <laughs> holes in it for it to just be the mandalorian for me but hopefully in the first first scene of episode five finnick shand wakes up and mando's like i saved you you're welcome (laughs) i was gonna say like on to maybe some predictions is the next episode going to pick off directly where we left off Mm. and show us who that is i would guess no see that's i think that it'll be if it's boba fett or just someone tracking the mandalorian every episode from now on is going to end with another clue mm-hmm. and it's going to build and maybe that will prove to be boba fett at the end of season one yeah it could be that's who she's going to meet in most Espa for some reason mm. yeah I, I i really want it to just pick up there because <laughs> the structure of the show has been really different like the first three episodes for the most part we did not have a scene without the mandalorian or it was only seconds after he left or seconds before he arrived and that's been being changed the last couple of chapters but then this was really different if it really is like great the mandalorian and baby yoda left they took off into space and now here is this introduction of a subplot like, yeah it makes sense but um 
think I'm just really hungry to know what is the Mando's plan. So if that is the Mandalorian and he's going back to her for some specific reason, I feel like he will uh, maybe uh, grab the story a little bit and he'll be a little bit more proactive mm-hmm. in these last few episodes of what is the Mandalorian's plan to get out of this, ultimately. I think that if that is the Mandalorian with Finnick Shand at the end, we will find out at the beginning of episode five. If it's not her, or if it's not him, and it's someone tracking him, then we won't see Finnick Shand at the start. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but the next episode is supposed to be the Bill Burr one, I think. Okay. Uh, it, the, the synopsis is that the Mandalorian joins a group of mercenaries on a dangerous mission. And that's all we know. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it makes it so... If it is, if it's another adventure, it makes it so like the first three episodes were kind of set up to here's why I'm the Mandalorian and then a baby Yoda are traveling together, and now they have adventures. Yeah. And meanwhile, we learn who the character is. But I keep wanting it to come back to what feels like the main thread of Moff Gideon being the big bad, yeah, wanting something from baby Yoda. Whatever that is, I'm sure you've speculated plenty, and and the Mandalorian trying to keep Baby Yoda safe. I agree. Yeah, I keep wanting to go back to the scientist and have him give us any other bit of information about this Baby Yoda. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't don't really have any predictions for next episode, which I'm glad about, because like I said, last week's when I read the synopsis, I was like, I have a pretty solid idea how this is going to play out. <laughs> this one is much more vague to me. And I, yeah, th- they'll go do some crazy thing together. It's probably going to be action packed. And I hope the Mandalorian gets Baby Yoda in a daycare or something. <laughs> like, get him somewhere safe. Yeah. yeah. Specifically, that they said it was a dangerous mission. I'm curious to see what they're considering dangerous as opposed to everything else that's happened in the series that's true <laughs> yeah it better be really dangerous yeah yeah it i i just i i my prediction which is more desire is just that the mandalorian's really making a decision about yes. where he's going if maybe these are people he knew before or has encountered and thinks like this is somewhere i can shelter for a little while i didn't want to go here but i'll mm. play this this hand because i gotta go somewhere yeah. i agree i mean i think that's why episode three is most people's favorite is because we got to see him make a a big decision and even then i was like uh, i kind of feel like he got to have his cake and eat it too because he got the armor and then was like well now i'll go back and save the baby (laughs) he didn't have to choose between something that was important to him and the baby so i still want something like that where he has to make the choice for his adopted son yeah 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 I still think about the line when he tells the other Mandalorians, like, you're, you're going to have to relocate. And they're mm-hmm. like, that's fine. Is he going to try to find them again? Yeah. Or or does he feel like anywhere he goes is just danger town, so he doesn't want to do that for, mm-hmm. for the people closest to him? Yeah. I kind of wonder if they will fall under attack, and then he'll have to repay the favor and go save them. Yeah. yeah. Do you think this is chapter, or not chapter two, but season two is under development? Do, do you think this is, is it going to be season two, The Mandalorian and Baby Yoda? Do you think this this is a duel for as long as the show lasts, or is Baby Yoda the story for the first season? I, I hope that it continues with Baby Yoda. Uh, I, I Everyone's latched onto him so much yeah. that I know. I'd they, be surprised. They put us in kind of a difficult position here with 
such an adorable yeah. little, little child. And whatever happens to him, even if he's left, like, in the last episode, like, he could live a normal, normal life here and be happy, but then we would all suffer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of hope, however long the show runs, that it ends with the Mandalorian being, like, 110 and just about to die, and Baby Yoda finally says his first word. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I guess all we have left to do is our top three moments. Mm-hmm. Molly, do you want to start? Because um, I have to figure mine out. <laughs> yeah. We never think about these before we, we get Joseph here. wrote his down. Well, I only some have, sort of professional. I only have two. I have to scramble for the third. Um, well, let's start with number three and make it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number three will be uh, seeing how like deserted Moss Eisley is and like the cantina how different it is yeah um i'll say for number three there's one weird shot of baby yoda weird good shot where he saw more teeth than normal where he had a little ah, sort of face <laughs> and i enjoyed that very much uh i was gonna go with just some of the banter i guess between the mando and toro uh especially about Toro being in danger, just like, I don't have Beskar. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two for me, I guess, is how snarky Mando is with New Guy. He's just, like, showing him the ropes, kind of, but also just, like, letting him learn along the way, especially with the Tusken Raider thing. Like, tell him yourself. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to go in on that, too, because that was one of my favorites, is the, the snarky banter. I'll pick the specific line after they actually capture it, Fennec Shand, and he says, uh, why don't you go pick up your blaster? And it really <laughs> makes him feel like a child for having lost his blaster. Yeah. Uh, my number two, I had it in my head, and then I forgot it. Um, oh, I'm, I'm just going to say Fennec Shand and her manipulation. Mm. Uh, I, I really liked the character, and that's... I was so, like, upset that she got shot, and I'm worried about her. And she really only had one, two scenes, like, good scenes of talking. And so I, I think Ming-Na Wen did a really great job with not a lot of screen time for me to be like, No! Keep her alive! <laughs> yeah. My number one uh, is Baby Yoda walking out of the ship. <laughs> Molly's number ones are always baby yoda moment of the week yeah it's <laughs> understandable that mixed with him getting a little ear scratch was i did adorable. really appreciate that just those moments when you can see it's definitely a puppet yeah and, yeah like it's interacting it's also it also like same with the the children it builds a little bit of rage inside me that i will never be able to do that with a baby yoda <laughs> and i kind of hate her for being able to coddle him <laughs> That's my problem. <laughs> uh, my number one is uh, going to be the Tusken Raiders. Worth it to go back to Tatooine for lots of reasons, but just to see the Tusken Raiders uh, from a different perspective was super awesome, and just everything they did was cool, including the sneak up. Uh, I'm going to now move my Finnick Shan moment to number one because I thought of something <laughs> else that should have been number two, but I really liked the, the opening sequence. Uh, fun little dogfight, and I liked when... Uh, the other bounty hunter was like, I can bring you in warm or cold. Mm. And I went, that's the Mando's line. And then he goes, that's my line. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Yay." laughs> Little conversation with the toad. Yeah. 
So that's it for episode five. Uh, thank you, Joseph, for joining us for this one. Where kind of fun. People, thank you. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and then you can find Four Center Pod wherever podcasts are found. And I said Four Center Pod because that's our social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, Four Center Pod. And you guys are also doing Mandalorian discussions, which I've been listening to while I walk our dog. Um, oh, wonderful! And they're they're very good and like. Uh, one of the things that we brought up a couple weeks ago and made sure to credit you for is just the idea that, yeah, those first episodes are so Mandalorian-centric. And when episode four came out, I was like, oh, it's the first time we got a scene without the Mando. And yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't think I would have caught that without you guys. Awesome, awesome. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for watching along. And if you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And consider checking out our Patreon page where we're also doing Mandalorian audio commentaries. If you want us talking about this show a third time, <laughs> you can All get the that times. there. Yeah. <laughs> so as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.